0: You're listening to The Plain Label Podcast. (laughs) Hello and welcome back to The Plain Label Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Williams, and in this episode, we continue our look at writer-director Terry Gilliam with the two films that, for me, represent his Hollywood Era, and they are Twelve Monkeys and Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Joining me once again this episode is returning guest Mr. Benteed. Hello. Before getting into our discussion, I would like to mention that we are still proud members of the Deliberate Noise Network. Search Deliberate Noise in your podcast app for more great shows from the network. Mr. Teed, what are we? Uh, what are we drinking this uh, pre-Thanksgiving <sighs> Eve? pre thanksgiving time for
1: cranberry sauce
0: i have traffic
1: jam another Ooh. favorite from blake's cider <laughs> i can't i own stock i have to own stock and blake's hard cider
0: now um, i will say that i noticed that you uh because now whenever i think ciders i think you and zach yes and oh he and, was
1: that, he was wondering about that the other day he was like did, did he mean to, to include me on that and i'm like yeah and he goes why and i go do you, don't you like hard cider? Goes, yeah, I'm like, oh, well, that's why. <laughs> yeah, so so
0: it's a uh, so Glacier Till, which is a, a brewery here in, in Lincoln, was uh was recognized as being a uh, as a good purveyor of uh, some some ciders, and so I was like, oh, these guys would be I interesting. They, this, they, right? I don't think
1: they make their reach over to Indiana. I don't blame them. I don't Listen, think so. But it looks awesome, and I'll have to try some sometime.
0: <laughs> there you go. There you go. So you're having more. So tell me about this uh, this particular oh, so brew.
1: Strawberry, blackberry, raspberry. It's a <laughs> uh, five apple blend. And it just is just a refreshing berry. Uh, 6.5 alcohol by my name. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a treat. It, it's a it's on the sweeter side. Um, it's not it's hard. It's I I don't sense any dryness at all. So it's got to be on the on the sweet end of the spectrum. Uh, which means it's dessert. It's dessert for tonight. Yeah. So it
0: well, sounds like it <laughs> sounds like it. So I am having something that I'm uh, feeling particularly clever uh, in my, uh, in my naming of these things uh, because we had basically what looking at the forecast amounts to my last real busy day at work uh, today because it was the last day wow. that's going to be nice for quite a while. Cause the weather's going to turn shitty. It looks like. And, uh, and, and, you know going along with the the title of our second film i'm having a beer and self-loathing uh is what i'm calling it and so i and so i'm just having a regular lagunitas ipa but then i'm also having some vodka because that's the drink of choice for myself especially yeah. when i'm writing and having the self-loathing <laughs> uh and, uh, I, and suck, I suck i suck i suck <laughs> that's right this is terrible this, this is what have you be been good. doing this for yeah no, this will times. not see the light of day. <laughs> <laughs> I will share this with no one, right? And then, you, and then you type the end, and it's like I must share this with everyone. <laughs> you know
1: what? You, you, you—that is not a stretch. You, yeah, you did that's not, how it You goes. didn't stretch it all. That—that that is a very. Uh, tightly packed metaphor
0: there so <laughs> so that's what i'm having um it so the vodka it's not just straight vodka i'm not just having uh i'm not an animal i'm ha- i'm having it with uh with some apple cider <laughs> because Civilized. i'm talking to ben <laughs> yeah Heck so yeah. yeah and then i also uh you know i i because my wife and uh my mother-in-law had recently gone thanksgiving shopping and uh getting because we host every year uh, and, it's a oh, night- nice. and it's a nightmare for me. It's a nightmare. <laughs> and uh, and so I was shaking up the bottle of the apple cider because you know how it settles. And my kiddo did not uh, put the lid on right. so oh, no. I had a nice little mess right before we started recording. So that was awesome. And a little, let me tell you about something. Come over here and check this out. Yeah. I'm just going to watch you clean it up. That's right. But I didn't make the mess. That's how it goes. <laughs> this is how it goes. You need to yeah. do this right. That's you know right. what?
1: They're the, they're the gift that keeps on giving, and finding. <laughs> That's right. Slowly but surely, yes. it'll just snowball. I have and no idea right now. I, I I'm Listen, I'm six months in. I don't know what I'm talking about.
0: Well, here's the deal, Ben. I'll tell you this. <laughs> it just gets more complex. I got to skip about the first four years or so since she's, oh, my, se- since sure. she's my stepdaughter. So you're experiencing things that I never had to. But <laughs> I will say every couple of years or every now couple of months, I talk to my wife and I say, ooh, we're entering a new phase, aren't we? And it's like, yep. And we'll say I like that last phase better, and we're like, mm-hmm, <laughs> so did I. And so we've done that for about fifteen oh. to twenty times now. So I don't know oh, when goodness. this euphoric time was that we're wishing for, but we're wishing for some kind of time. Took it, like yeah. Took
1: like an ever-evolving mutant. That's right, teen- but there are certain.
0: I mean, there are certain things where, as a little preteen, she can basically, it, she's basically um, reached the self-sufficient stage in her life. You know she can, I you know, just go and make herself something to eat and that kind of thing. She can put herself to bed, you know that kind that of stuff. That is very helpful. Yeah, so that part, that part's able-bodied, all right.
1: Able-bodied, <laughs> we call that able-bodied, able to
0: work. That's <laughs> right. You know who else is able to work? It is Mr. James Cole, played by Bruce Willis, in our first yeah. film. It is from 1995, and it is Twelve Monkeys.
2: You are a very good observer, Cole. We have a very advanced program, something very different. An opportunity to reduce your sentence considerably. And possibly play an important role in returning the human race to the surface of the Earth. No license, no prints, no warrants. Take down! He took on five cops <laughs> like he was dusted to the eyeballs. What year is this? What year do you think it is?
1: 1996.
2: That's the future, James. Do you think you're living in the future?
1: I'm simply trying to gather information to help the people in the present trace the path of the virus. We're not in the present now. This is a place for crazy people. I'm not saying you're not mentally ill. After all, I know you're... <coughs> crazy as a loon. The army of the 12 monkeys, they're the ones that spread the virus. Monkeys?
2: He's been living in a meticulously constructed fantasy world and that world is starting to disintegrate. You
1: haven't become addicted to that dying world? No, sir.
2: He needs help. I
1: think I'm crazy when people start dying next month. I don't belong here here because of the system i know some things that you don't know yes my son sent me to the wrong year you're certain
2: of that science ain't an exact science you had a bullet from world war one in your leg james how did it get there i don't know you're a trained psychiatrist you
1: know the difference between what's real and what's not you said that i had delusions you said you could explain i'm trying to i want the future to be unknown
2: The monkeys but they mutate we live underground. they're watching you i just want to do my part to get us back on top in charge of the planet
0: And the IMDb plot synopsis, Mr. Teed, goes like this. An unknown and lethal virus has wiped out 5 billion people in 1996. Only 1% of the population has survived by the year 2035 and is forced to live underground. A convict, James Cole, reluctantly volunteers in 2 b it says, sent back in time to 1996 to gather information about the origin of the epide- epidemic. Who he's told was spread by a mysterious quote army of the twelve monkeys, and locate the virus before it mutates so that scientists can study it. Unfortunately, Cole is mistakenly sent to 1990, six years earlier than expected, and is arrested and locked up in a mental institution where he meets Dr. Catherine Rayleigh, a psychiatrist, and Jeffrey Goines, the insane son of a famous scientist and virus expert. Okay. Except for their weird little typo in there, not too bad. I was I yeah, was actually okay worst with this. Yeah, it wasn't the worst one. We've heard. <laughs> it wasn't the worst one. So, uh, Mr. Teed, as we typically do, why don't you tell me about uh, your history, if there is any, with Twelve Monkeys, and then what you uh, generally thought of the film?
1: I knew the I knew the very strange, creepy looking poster, mm-hmm. uh, and that's it.
0: I really enjoy this poster, I should say.
1: Yeah, I like it. I I didn't understand. I didn't. I didn't know who was in it. I mm-hmm. didn't know even from the poster. It's, it was a little hard for me to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I, I, I'm sitting there going, "Huh." Like usually, usually directors have their like their cast of people they like to pull from and stuff like that. But knowing that Bruce Willis was was a part of this and Brad Pitt and all that, I'm like, "Oh wow!" I didn't know. I didn't know about any of this stuff. I had no idea it was in the future. I really the like a lot of the stuff with Gilliam I'm learning that it is kind of best to come into his films completely blind for Mm me. I mean, that's been the most successful for me. Um, the next film that we talk about is the one that I'm actually familiar with, but, Mm -hmm. or that I was familiar with, but this, but you know, honestly, I had no idea. I actually kind of at the very beginning with all of the, the plastic suit that he wears and he's in the time machine and he's being raised up by the seat and stuff like that. And this like big glo- you know, globe like apparatus comes down with all these um, screens on it. It looks very, you know, Brazil. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know? And so my first thought is like, Oh, this is going to be another one of these or, 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 and, and like another one of Brazil. Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> like, come on. Like there's no, there's no possible way you could like just, Without another Brazil and sure enough I don't think he necessarily uh achieved like a like another masterpiece but I did come away from this liking mostly what I saw
2: mm-hmm. and
1: so like you know I I just my I guess my history just in general was very like nothing at all like I I had no sort of depiction of what this was supposed to be
0: Gotcha. So you had no expectations uh, going and, into this one. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I think that was kind of successful for me because uh, all I had was what I know in his, in his films leading up to now. Hmm. So going in this order and going in order of release is helpful. But ultimately with the, with if, if the last two films were any indication, it's, I can't expect, I can, I can, all I can expect is the unexpected.
0: Sure. So, sure. Yeah. Um, so I'd seen this before. This is actually a DVD that I that I've owned for quite a while, and I saw this when I was in high school and so not too long after it came out. And I think I must, must have been in a some sort of like a Bruce Willis kick after. Um, not too long after this, he made uh, The Fifth Element, which as of recording just came out uh, on one of the episodes that we talked about, and it was soon he did he did this and he did the fifth element and it was just kind of like bruce willis playing bruce willis in the fifth element and here he's doing something kind of like he's stretching a little bit for him like is because he's playing a crazy person uh and and i should note before we get too far into it that this was written um by terry gilliam and david webb web peoples and if people don't know david webb peoples or david peoples uh, offhand he was the screenplay he w- he wrote the screenplay to Blade Runner uh, he wrote the screenplay to Unforgiven and he wrote the screenplay for this are basically the three things that he's known for and he's only done a handful of things other than that so really kind of interesting writer that uh has done some pretty well known movies and then not much else which makes me wonder why <laughs> right like it's like wait a minute <laughs> like of the 10 things that you've done, three of them are really famous. Like that's kind of interesting or they're, uh, or they're at least helmed by really famous people. So uh, like I said, I have a little
1: big man. Yeah. Yeah. So Dustin Hoffman,
0: that's right. So I've seen this before (laughs) and my memory of it was, I knew that there was the underground stuff. I knew that this was one of the few movies that I'd seen Madeline Stowe in. And I knew that Brad Pitt, plays a over-the-top crazy person those were the things that i had remembered and so i i go into watching this and right away we have the we have the logo of the 12 monkeys and we have the title music and i'm like oh man this is such a gilliam sort of like i'm into this gilliam world already right because of the strange music that comes on and the way that they do the credits is kind of like rippling through the logo and these kind of it's just like kind of an off-putting sort of a thing. And we get that excess of cables that you mentioned from Brazil and all the coils and that sort of thing. And I put that it, it strikes as Brazil. And I know I'm going to get shit for this, but I liked this way better in terms of the, the product wow. of the production, because I thought that the production in 1990s, this to me felt like it was something that was a real thing. Like this felt like, Oh, let me just grab these scraps and put these things together and so it just felt like it was actual items that were transposed into something that that made it look like a movie to where when i watched brazil it just seems like hollywood make-believe like styrofoam as something else kind of just mumbo jumbo and so that felt different Mm to me um i liked that right away we we get the idea that he's traveled through time, but we don't actually see him go through the process yet. Like, they wait until later to show it actually working or showing it actually happening, which I thought was interesting. And then we get the we get the introduction of Madeline Stowe, and she's going through sort of um, basically like the downfall of man and the Cassandra uh, theory or whatever you want to call it. And doing like a, a a lecture and I was like, okay, um, so this is the Zach Crusey character <laughs> going through the lecture. And uh and so I was like, Okay, I kinda I kinda like this, all right. And we get to where we meet Jeffrey, and he's uh Bruce Willis's character is institutionalized, and we meet Jeffrey, and I was like, I work with people that talk like this.
1: No kidding. And
0: because I work with people that I mean, they won't listen to this, but it's like people that have used a lot of drugs. And so then when you talk to them, there's never like a straight train of thought. Like it's everywhere all at once. Okay. All right. Well
1: then I'm going to, I'm going to delete my comment that I was going to make about the
0: depiction of, of mentally ill in 2019. Well, and so Uh, I, yeah. And so, and so uh, I, I know the way that, I, I, I like recognize what, what uh, Brad Pitt is doing when he's speaking in those scenes. But then I also followed it up by, this is probably the worst Brad Pitt performance that there is because I absolutely hated his performance.
1: I think I agree with you there. <laughs> I, I honestly, I kind of, and this, and that might lead to why I feel the way about the, because the, my whole thing was like, does this hold up in 2019?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, both, Both of these movies have ideas that I don't think age very well, but the, (laughs) but the premises and the worlds are still fun and, and like really engaging. And I just felt like the, the one with this movie was the depiction of mental health Mm -hmm. and particularly Brad Pitt's character. And And the thing that's even more
0: off putting though, the thing that's off putting before you continue is that in 1996, this was nominated for best actor in a supporting role, Brad Pitt. Okay. Okay. And I and it, was gobsmacked when I saw that. <laughs>
1: well, and the thing is, I, I think what's so hard and I'm and I'm engaged. I'm engaged with the film. I'm watching it. I'm I'm trying to, to piece together how exactly this all fits. Like I think going back in time, you know, already is a very complicated uh uh there's a very complicated set of rules when you do time travel in a film. And so by doing by making that move and then having it go wrong because he's supposed to be in, what, 96, 97? And he mm-hmm. goes back to 1990. Right. It's my, under- my understanding. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of things in a lot of places haven't happened yet or haven't really gone down. And so that's already a little bit – I mean, it's not that hard to, like, stretch my mind and think, you know, follow the film, but just that little bit of, of um, trying to remember that and at the same time trying to follow – this bouncy ball of a, of a person Mm -hmm. jumping around and going from, from place to place. There's a difference between, I mean, and I'm not trying you know, you got, you kind of have to like, I was about, I was about to make the comparison to the craziness of Brad Pitt's character compared to the craziness of the Fisher Mm King. Now I know it's like apples and oranges and, and like trying to compare each other is, is just not, it's, I mean, I can't, I can't fault, for what it is not you know i just can't say well it wasn't like robin williams's character well no but th- there was an element to the way williams pr- you know portrayed his crazy and the way that that pitt does here that is much harder to follow in mm-hmm. 12 monkeys yeah and and harder to follow in terms of uh uh what the character wants, what the character is looking for, what the, it's like, I don't know. There's just this element of like, of uh, murkiness Mm -hmm. that made it so that I, I honestly became kind of exhausted by the character.
0: Sure. Well, one of the Um, things that you mentioned was that it was you know, the going to 1996 and he ends up in 1990. And what's, what's tough about that is they didn't, it's not like they had to, to do any set design that was different for the six years, no. right? They didn't have to dress it up in a different way. And so you weren't, you weren't visually clued into if he was in the wrong spot or not, because they say, Hey, we're going, we're sending you back to 1996. He shows up, it's 1990. And you're like, Oh, well, it's, it looks the same. Is, is he, is he crazy? Is he in the wrong time? Like, is he supposed, like, is Brad Pitt supposed to make sense? Is, is, you know, what's real and what's not real is what I found myself uh too confused by for what i think that the the filmmakers were were trying to do like i think i was more confused than i was supposed to be when i was watching the movie at times
1: and i and i actually never questioned and and i felt like okay so okay let me let me let me get there with you (laughs) and uh there is a there is a um a feature length documentary Mm -hmm. of the making of 12 monkeys Mm -hmm. called the hamster factor yeah they get into the reason why it's called the hamster factor during the thing it's on youtube and even gilliam says it's an excellent and unusually honest documentary about the making of the film i learned about it in the gilliam book which has been a really great bible throughout this whole good process because i've been able to kind of read his insight specifically i want his insight uh into into the making of this but watching i didn't get through the whole thing but Cause I discovered it today, but there was a scene in which uh, Willis is talking with Gilliam and company about, do we want the, do we want the audience to absolutely without a doubt in their mind, think that he is on this journey back through time? Or do we also want him to think, well, is he possibly, is this all in his head? Mm -hmm. And I will say this, regardless of how that conversation went forward, I I don't think that that matters. At least not for me, because Mm -hmm. I don't think there was ever a doubt in my mind that he was not crazy and that he was actually traveling through time and doing all this stuff. Because I don't think the film does a great job of actually presenting that there is a possibility that he could be
0: that it could be in his head crazy.
1: I just think that everyone back in 1990 just thinks that he is crazy because of the stuff he's spouting. And so he immediately gets locked up. I Mm -hmm. found all that very believable and very, you know, like this is, of course, this is what would happen. So no evidence to provide that it's possible this might be in his head. Therefore, like I'm with him on his journey as he tries to get back to his correct time and tries to do the things and find the army of the 12 monkeys and make all these things happen. At the same time, he keeps having a dream, Mm -hmm. a dream that we learn is actually not a dream dreams in Gilliam films, as we've learned in literally every film that we've done <laughs> is <laughs> never just a dream. They mm. always mean something. And so, um, the dream actually is either a premonition or a memory of spoiler alert, Bruce Willis as an adult getting killed mm-hmm. and he's seeing it as himself as a little kid at the airport. Right. And so that twist that, Oh my gosh, it was him the whole time. I guess that's another thing in 2019 I, I'm not sure holds up nearly as well in the same way that I'm sure it did back then. I'm sure people's minds were blown and I tried to watch the film in that context, but in like a post Sixth Sense, post fight club, <laughs> post post beautiful mind world where the twist is like literally the cru- the crux of the film.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I just, I just don't think it's nearly as strong. uh well, and that's just, that's just me probably, but, but you know, I, I just, I, my feelings were okay. And like, that's it. Like, okay. Like I'm, I'm along with you. I get it. But like, it's, I don't feel like it was nearly the impact as it, as it should. It was either, it was either going to be Bruce Willis is the one that gets shot or it was going to be Brad Pitt that was the one that gets shot. Right. You know, and it was supposed to be this meaningful thing.
0: Well, let um, me ask you this though, because I think that the, the bigger rug that's being pulled is, is before that. Because he's on this quest from this mysterious group that he has no choice but to do what they say for reasons. again, a, for quest. Reasons, a right? quest. Yeah, he's on the quest, right? <laughs> Everyone's on the quest. That's right. And so he, he's on this quest and he, the first time he goes, he's very clear on what he's supposed to do. He's an observer. You know, this is where, this is where I put that uh, losing his mind. Bruce is the best Bruce uh, for me with Bruce Willis. And, He's he's locked up and he's drooling and and Madeline Stowe is the uh, is is one of the actresses yeah. who I wish was in more because I think that she depicts intelligence really well on screen. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I'm like, holy shit! Like this does she plays Doctor like,
1: Catherine? Yeah, Doctor
0: Catherine, Catherine Rayleigh. Yeah. I was like, this this feels like a real uh, intelligent, strong woman on screen as opposed to just like some girl that they say, Oh, you're a nuclear physicist. And you're like, Oh, okay. Um, so what I liked about that is, you know, then he is locked up and he, and he disappears, but they don't do the sort of typical Hollywood thing where they show him disappearing the first time around because he's locked in his cell and they think, Oh, well maybe he went in the air vents or whatever. And then the second time he comes back when it is 1996, and he abducts her, and they have the the sort of strange rear projection there when they're in the car for a while. I'm like, wow, this looks this is odd. Um, I
1: kind of love that a little bit. Well, it's like
0: I always think of like Hitchcock whenever I see that. So it's well, like, not this only is that, but
1: like it's I feel it's appropriate because of the, like the fakeness and the weirdness. It only adds to your questioning of is this fabricated? Mm-hmm. Is this fabricated in his mind? You know. That's I, I think it's a weak uh, presentation of evidence that that he's perhaps imagining this but but also I think stylistically I'm into it just because the entire world is is twisted in that
0: way yeah and they do they do even they they like tease but they don't tease enough with the is he crazy because then later they show him watching vertigo. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, God, I was like, you need to lean into that you a little think harder. About that? I well we ask. We're, we're there now, so I just wanted to say say I was gonna bring that up later. But... I just kinda thought like you're not quite pressing hard enough on the is he just is he crazy? Like is this actually not happening? You know? Like it just right. seemed like, you know, is this is this something that is just on its face what's happening? Okay, but you you're either there's just like a little fine fine line of give me enough to make me doubt what I'm seeing, but don't give me too much to make it confusing. And this didn't quite give me enough to make me doubt.
1: I agree. Yeah, I'm with you there. And I I think the other thing too is the other thing that's brought up with that vertigo scene is um I, I, I want to tell me if I read this wrong. Maybe maybe I did. Um, is he starts to talk about or no? I think Catherine starts to talk about how. A movie is at the is what you make of it at the time. It was almost like a like a critique on cri- criticism. Yeah, criticism. it really was. And I thought that was very interesting, but also like not warranted and not mm-hmm. quite appropriate for what we were doing. It did like feel as, a little like
0: weird. a meta comment that I was like, wait, why is that in there? Like, but I she,
1: but there is a, an element of theatricality because she is applying spirit gum to him. Yeah, and like putting on this like beard. Uh-huh. And so, and like the fake hair and all that and whatnot. So I do think that that was interesting. But I, uh, I, while I completely agree with her statement, uh, you know, a film is is what you make of it at the time that you watch it, and a and a critique and a and a review is really only just a reflection of who you are at the time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, in terms of this film, I do kind of, I do kind of find it like.
0: Eh. You know, Catherine,
1: not the best time. You know, it's kind of a weird pl- place to bring this up. See, not sure why you're bringing this up.
0: I wrote down the so Terry Gilliam really wants you to reevaluate some of his movies.
1: <laughs> so that's the interesting thing. I'm telling you, I, I just another plug for that uh, that you'd free YouTube documentary of the making of Twelve Monkeys called the Hamster Effect. Um, it is pretty much the documentary it has a lot of really good scenes of them, of them making the film. But the, the main like conflict is, um, Oh, I forget the name of the, the corporation that comes in and they bring it. It's, it's pretty much, um, uh, when they, when they not crowdsource, what is that called? When they bring people in to watch the movie and rate it before it hits theaters. Um, it's focus tests.
0: Oh, focus. When they do like a, okay. Yeah. When they
1: did a focus test, crowd testing, 12 monkeys because the studio doesn't think that once again, the studio and especially Hollywood studio would not trust Terry Gilliam with this crazy film, Mm -hmm. you know? And so they don't know what they have on their hands. So let's bring in people. And then of course they just get, you know, attacked from all sides saying, you got to change this. You got to change that. And like the, the climax of this is like, Ooh, is Terry Gilliam going to change anything? Because it's very, very tempting in that moment. We either make money by changing things, or we stick to our guns and make our art and and kick this thing's butt and blah blah blah. And ultimately, I'll spoil it because I mean we've all seen the film. He sticks to his guns. He doesn't do. He doesn't change a thing. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if I mean I'm not necessarily satisfied fully. Yeah. I do come away thinking (laughs) that this is a good film. Yeah. But I do think that it could have been much worse judging by what I've seen in that documentary. Actually, I think you should, should pair it with this movie. Well, buy, I, I do have yeah. it.
0: I do. <laughs> it didn't oh, come good. with the yeah. disc. Yeah. So I do have it. Uh, it's Fantastic. just a matter of, of making time. Yeah, uh, to it, watch it. It's
1: it, it, seriously, it is time because it's, 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 um, it is the, it is feature length. Mm-hmm. It's like, I think it's like a, almost an hour and a half long, but, For people that are joining like on the on the Gilliam journey, the Gilliam quest with Mm, us.
0: Yeah, the quest. I
1: do kind of feel like it is very refreshing to see how how detailed and how much he super cares about his stories and making sure that he gets control. And I think from what I've seen from that documentary of all the players involved, I want him to have the control. Mm. I think he, I think it's safely in his hands. A lot of, I think it's, I think the story intact, whatever it may be, whether it's Brazil, whether it's fear and loathing or whatever, giving it to him, he will ensure that it will be done right. And, and you can just see the passion. You can see all this intention. You can see all this, all this like mastery at work that I'm, I'm, it's just another, it's really, this is just me saying, Hey, I'm so glad we're doing Gilliam because, I, wouldn't have, I don't think I would have sought out much of his films without making it homework. Mm-hmm. And it, it has been the easiest homework in the world because I can just eat these films up and it's been wonderful so
2: far.
0: So, so. one of the other things, and I, I know that I brought her up already, but I want to talk about Madeline Stowe because I think that she gets overshadowed in this movie because I think you yes. think of Bruce Willis and you think of Brad Pitt. And they're I love it. They're big. Yeah. They're very big in this. And so I, what I loved about her was I already mentioned how she comes across as intelligent really easily. But then I also love it when she finally kind of goes along with what he's saying and they go to that kind of, they're like squatting in an apartment and Bruce Willis rips the, rips the uh, tooth out of the guy. And, um, She calls the place and then is really excited about them not being crazy, basically, right? And she's playing like really happy sort of school girl girl there for a while. And I was like, wow, this is so much different than the performance that she's been giving for the majority of this. And it's her showing that she's sort of being swept away by this idea of this person without it being a all right interior madeline stowe and bruce willis start to fall in love blah 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 and it it shows that based on how she is reacting without having a scene that really shows it
1: you know that kind of reflects a lot of you you said you use that phrase swept away Mm -hmm. and that is so reflective of a lot of hitchcock you know, strangers on a train,
2: mm-hmm.
1: or or um, you know the wrong, you know the wrong person getting accused of something. Yeah, now north, by in north by northwest or northwest, Or mm-hmm. just getting swept up in. Like it, she was, of course, terrified at first when he is in the back seat of her car and tells her to go to Philadelphia and all. You know, does all these things. You know, you're gonna go here, you're gonna go here, and she is, she is like absolutely terrified. But then, as the journey, as the quest continues. Mm-hmm. Like it becomes this, like romanticized, almost like she is kind of having more fun with it. And even by the end, is like we said, applying that spirit gum and putting on his disguise. And he's just kind of like, he's kind of losing that momentum.
0: Yeah. Yeah, she's gaining momentum. Yeah, and she's losing it. Yep. Or he's losing it. Yeah. So, so the thing that I'm going to circle back to about what the big reveal is for me is so we get they're sort of um sprint toward the airport and they're going to run off together and they're going to make <laughs> they're going to make money by her lecturing apparently i don't know i don't know how they're going to do it but anyway so they're going to they're going to run off and then we find out well you know traffic's bad because of the army of the 12 monkeys and they're like oh shit army of the 12 oh, no. monkeys what and then they find out that what they've really been doing is just releasing animals and that's it and there's no like Brad Pitt being a terrorist, really, right? Like that's that's what he's doing is just releasing these animals. Which
1: I thought was a really sweet shot. I, I like you know then looking over to the bridge and seeing like giraffes like running.
0: Yeah, so I thought I... that that looked really good. Like I was really impressed by that. But story wise, I was like, wait a minute. So we had Brad Pitt being like the most 1990s crazy. Over the top performance, and then he's letting some birds go. And I was like, oh, what? And I didn't remember that from the first time I saw it at all. And granted, it's been probably 20 years since I've seen it. But I was like, I don't remember this at all. And I was like, wait a minute, so it's Christopher Plummer that's the bad guy? Oh, okay, because Christopher Plummer, why else would he be in the movie if he's not secretly. The one that's uh, spearheading this virus, and of course, David Morse is going to be the one who gives it out, right? Because David Morse is nothing if not uh, predictable in terms of uh, the evil characters that he plays. And so I was like, okay, of course it's going to be this long, ponytailed, red-haired guy that's going to be uh, that's going to be the bad guy for real. And I should have known that at the beginning, right? But I was like, that just I didn't, I did not love that. I did not love that. Wait, so Brad Pitt no. really doesn't have anything to do with the actual plot at all. And that, that's the sort of thing to where I think that that works on the page or in a novel better than it does on screen because you just see them running and you're like, oh, okay, well, that's where the animals got to, I guess. But why did we spend so much time if it was just a,
1: yeah, the whole the whole point of bringing him to to the it just seems like putting so much energy into I don't know because into they, a red, they, they go into to that red yeah
0: they go to that uh, building a couple of times and they got to meet like the henchmen of his and they got to force their way oh, in you mean, and, um the dad his father uh played like Christopher Plummer. Christopher Plummer yeah but we got to but it's like all of this this front of it being Brad Pitt's stuff and then you find out that oh christopher Plummer is like secretly the evil doctor behind the scenes uh and he doesn't really have anything to do with the brad pitt stuff and i was like okay and so then yeah. so then we get that uh we get because she sees it on the front page that he's got some virus or whatever and tomorrow's paper is what madeline stuff sees and she's like oh i'm putting it together it's actually this it's not that and then You see David Morris and he goes through the airport and and you have the obligatory scene where the guy gets infected but doesn't really know it yet. And he's going to stop him and then he gets away and Bruce Willis tries to stop him. And that's how we get shot. And then we see the whole dream come to reality on screen. And then the most confounding part for me is David Morris is all out of breath and he gets on the plane and then he sits next to the engineer or I think it was the engineer, um, the, uh, the elderly woman or middle-aged woman, however you want to classify her from Bruce Willis's experiments that had sent him back in time and that kind of stuff. And I'm like, wait a minute. So this is all just a big circle jerk. (laughs) Like she, he's sending him to the past to uncover something that she knows isn't real to begin. Like, what is the, what is the point?
1: So, so I'm, I'm, I would be totally in, i would I would be all for this like like dangling in front of us and then r- rip it away and be unsatisfied by this quest if it had some sort of element to it like a like a heart to it or something. It really doesn't have this like I feel like this with both films tonight. there's something amazing about both films, and I like them both. I like the aesthetic and stuff like that, but there's definitely an element missing that makes it just kind of, okay, here it is. It's mm-hmm. just bland, you know, whereas I'd be interested and I, and I plan to do this and maybe I can do like an update next episode or something. I don't know. Maybe there's not time, but, um, the original film, Laja, La La yeah. it, mm-hmm. it is on YouTube as well. It's like 25, 26 minutes long or whatever. Mm-hmm. It does have English subtitles. It is the, there's even like a little clip of Terry Gilliam talking on Laja Um, but it's the, it's the film that it's based off of. I would be interested in seeing the comparison to see what is it in this original film, this original short that this film is based off of. What is it that makes this like, where's the heart? Where's the thing about there's, there's something like that in every one of his films. And I say, I want to say every one of his films Mm. up until now, like this moment, this, this film has lost something. And I don't know what it is, and I think I think the it's it's also missing in the next film as well. Um, I can't describe it though. It's like you know, it's got all the elements, it has a story, it's got something that's very interesting, but it's just missing an element. I, I can't can't quite place it. Um, yeah,
0: yeah. So I I don't know. I think that 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 end feels that end, f- I, and I would have. I guess I should watch the documentary because I would like to know what the studio or what somebody would have suggested for the ending, because I felt that that was, that felt so flat to me because even this time, the way that it is shown with dreams, it's telegraphed so clearly that that little kid is Bruce Willis. Like, I feel like that that is so obvious.
1: Yeah. And so I'm like, okay,
0: well he's a time traveler. So, you know, obviously he's going to be the one that's killing. He's going to be there somehow.
1: Yeah. The moment they introduce that, you're Mm -hmm. thinking that like, so I guess, yeah, maybe, maybe, um, and, and definitely zero in on that scene in the, in the documentary where they, where they talk about that scene, you know, where they discuss, you know, should we do this? I think Bruce Willis says something to the, to the tune of like, or are they going to be arguing on the way home of what they thought happened? Like meaning the audience is the audience going to be driving home and, you know, they're going to get in a fight over, well, I thought it was this. Well, I thought it was that, mm. which honestly would have been fun. I think would have been a little bit more fun, but I mean, it really does just feel like cut and dry, like evidence-based that this is how it really happens. It's not in his head and it's yeah. just kind of, it's just out there, you know? Yeah. And, 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 th- and I think that maybe that's the element that I'm thinking of is heart. There's some sort of heart that's missing. Uh, that That just doesn't i don't know I'm, I'm not getting an emotional i mean I get an emotional sense from seeing the imagery,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but this where the story ends up going and taking lacks that and I guess I don't know does that I mean maybe because we've we've served up so many of the um, so many of these uh, uh, st- stories so far all have this element but the moment we get hit without one, it starts to make me feel a little bit like, Oh, did, did you forget something? You know, I think <laughs> you, did, did you drop something on the way here? Because I I feel like it's, you know, I don't know. So I, I'm, I'm interested because I'm all for going into a film and just seeing like, you know, just experiencing something that doesn't necessarily hold up narratively. Like I'm fi- I'm actually totally fine with that, that like, if it's, if a mood piece is supposed to be a mood piece, but I have a feeling with the way that this caper goes and the way and like caper, but like, it's, it's this, like, like you said, swept away. This, this Mm -hmm. adventure that they go on ultimately goes to a place that, you know, okay. It's sad, but also it's like, eh, like, this isn't nearly as as strong as you, as you've been in terms of storytelling, by the way, um, this is also not just as Hollywood stuff. Mm-hmm. that we're getting into this is also the first time he's working on uh films that he didn't like have a hand in writing mm. right so like yeah he, i like mean the, he's like, like co he's like
0: co-screenplay or it's based on something yeah
1: yeah so so yeah like uh yeah so that's this is also kind of an interesting turn yeah sure. i think is the fisher king based on anything i don't remember
0: uh it's i think it's just like uh you know legend base i don't believe that that's okay. like an existing work See, so, yeah, this is
1: where this Gilliam-esque book is going to come into play because yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know, tear it all apart and see what see what I find. Right. And so, the,
0: the, the, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I thought that this was fine. I didn't, I didn't love it. I think um, you and I are in about the same spot. I think I give it like a three or a three and a half out of five. Uh, to where I thought it was, I liked, I liked the the future, uh, the way that that looked. I liked that the idea of having a time traveling person who not necessarily is time traveling because he wants to, it's like a obligation he has to fulfill. I kind of liked um Catherine Rayleigh's character and I kind of I like that they're I like their relationship somewhat. Like I like where he is discovering songs. Like I like that they hit that note a few times where he is really invested in like the twentieth century's music. And I was like, oh, okay, this is kind of clever, or this is kind of, this is something. But then he dies; she just kind of, I don't know, she's just as sort of finished as a character, I guess, in terms of the film. And then the heart of the film also kind of dies at that point. And I'm all, I'm all for down endings. Like I like a good down yeah, ending. Yeah, same here. But uh, but good I don't know. Time. It just didn't feel it just didn't feel right to me this time. So I don't know. Yeah.
1: I'm, yeah. So, I, I mean, not what I expected, mm-hmm. but still, I mean, ultimately still an entertaining time. Like well, I, I, I come away with it with like, you know, great admiration for style and everyone involved, you know, did a great job. It's just I don't know. There's something
0: about that. Well, I feel like a little what bit you more ex- digging. Not what you expected because where the goddamn monkey's at. It's called yeah. Twelve Monkeys. Where are the goddamn monkeys Were... at, Ben? So it's been like maybe a week <laughs> or so. Were there not any monkeys? I mean, there's like there's a huge caged monkeys, and then when um, when Brad Pitt's character kidnaps his dad, they start like yelling like some apes.
1: Did they have um? they have a, a uh, like a like a little capuchin monkey with a with the little head cam on?
0: Um, they had.
1: Because I remember seeing that in the documentary I watched, like some of the footage. I, I remember it's this cute little helmet with a tiny little camera on top. I don't of
0: remember it. the camera,
1: so I don't know what they were doing. And maybe I would just maybe I just like looked up at the screen out of context and just saw <laughs> these little tiny, uh, not spider monkeys, but they look like uh, like Kaput, like the like the ones from Raiders. The, mm-hmm. the Nazi yeah, yeah, monkey yeah, yeah. mm-hmm. um, had a little like camera strapped to its
0: head. Anyways, yeah, there was I, definitely one of those in there, but I think it was just in the just in a cage crazy
1: so what are we doing with no
0: monkeys well let's uh yeah 12 monkeys don't show me any monkeys come on come on movie all right so uh let's go ahead and move into our second film it is from just three years later it is one of the probably one of the most famous uh terry gilliam movies even though most people probably don't know it's a terry gilliam film but it is fear and loathing in las vegas
2: I want me to go to Las Vegas at once. As your attorney, I advise you to rent a very fast car with no top. Table quarter for special music. Get the hell out of L.A. for at least $48. We're all set. If I could just get you John Hancock, you're on your way. Yeah. Listen, you're going to be real careful with this car, right? Oh, yeah, man.
0: Let's get the boy lift. We can't stop here. This is back country.
2: You can't park your car here! Why not? Is this not a reasonable place to park? Reasonable? You're on a sidewalk! Fire! What's the score here? Lucy paints portraits of Barbara tights. A bless. hell? Look, Look what you're doing to your car! Someone should stop that Police, are you people crazy? What are we doing out here in this godforsaken road? Your the over there, right?
0: I've never missed a plane yet. Universal Pictures
2: presents. The story that defined a generation. Johnny
0: Depp. Hey. hey!
1: how are you? Benicio del Toro. Let's get down to brass tacks
2: here, man. How much for the eight? <laughs> Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. No. A Terry Gilliam film. All right, now I've got to go. Time lunch! Radio, man, radio.
0: And the IMDb plot synopsis, which I do not envy the person that wrote this, goes like this. An adaptation of Hunter S. Thompson's novel of the same name, the film details a wacky search for the American dream, search or quest, right, Ben? By Thompson and his crazed Samoan lawyer. Fueled by the massive amount of drugs they purchased with an advance from a magazine to cover a sporting event in Vegas, they set out in the Red Shark which is their car encountering police reports, police reporters, gamblers, racers, and hitchhikers. They search for some undefinable thing known only as the American dream and find fear, loathing and hilarious adventures into the dementia of the modern American West. Okay, Mr. Teed. So this is one that you had some history with. Tell me about you and fear and loathing in Las Vegas.
1: I was a very boring kid growing up. Um, I would go over to friends' houses. And Say, just,
0: Mom, what are drugs?
1: I I'm not kidding. I'm not. I'm telling you right now. I didn't even know where to get them. Mm. I I literally. I mean, I didn't think I. I don't think I drank like like to get drunk until like I was like nineteen or twenty. He said, "Fellas, like, where
0: do I find the grass?" I said, I said, "Excuse me,
1: fellow children, fellow kids, fellow teens. Um,
0: where may where may I purchase the so grass?" I,
1: <laughs> I I this was my introduction to drugs. Probably, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I was a dare kid. Dare. Oh yeah, absolutely kid. yeah. That was my so generation was, too. Yeah. Like uh, the bloodhound was the, blood, the the gruff,
2: yeah. me telling me okay. not to
1: to stay away from drugs and alcohol, and um, so I being a very boring kid. I would go over to friends' houses, and we'd watch movies all night. And this one came on. We put this one in at, like, midnight or 2 in the morning or whatever. And I just remember so vividly certain scenes of this film frightening me, but also being very, like, taken by the chaos that drugs. I mean, this was actually a really good, like stay away from drugs. It just showed me, just <laughs> show me this movie and just, yeah, it was just showing how like your life can, can get really damaged or whatever, but it also looked kind of fun and mm-hmm. way too cool for me to be able to do something like
0: that. Uh-huh.
1: So Raul Duke is doing all these things with his attorney and
0: yeah, Raul I, Duke, not Hunter S Thompson,
1: not Hunter S. even S. Thompson, though they say uh,
0: Mr. Thompson at one point. And at then one they, point they do, and then they show Hunter S. Thompson when he oh, Johnny man, Depp that looks was. Himself.
1: I remember laughing at that as a kid.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and then uh, and thinking that was really funny. as a kid. I was a teenager. I mean, mm-hmm. I was still a kid, but just, like,
0: just I mean, just, it's all pre-child. So you're. Just I remember a kid thinking. I remember thinking like, wow, like
1: the not only did you not only did you take more than your share of adrenaline, mm-hmm. but ha, but the the idea of in your, in my head, the idea of how they came in possession of adrenal chrome, like the idea that they could just go someplace and, and 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 take, you know, pretty much whatever is the concentration of the human adrenal gland, mm-hmm. and like, like that, that was a little bit scary. You know, the, the lizard people at the bar,
0: very, now very, it, tough. Very, very tough, very tough to watch. Also,
1: Tough to watch but also I th- I feel like it's so appropriate. Like mm-hmm. you think about these dried desert people, like the like these these gamblers and drinkers with their like really scaly skin like at a bar. Of course he hallucinated that they're lizards, you know? And there's like that theme throughout, like with the lizard tail and
0: Yep, yep.
1: And like all these all this imagery of like Well, and yeah. Johnny
0: Depp has a sort of lizard like movements throughout the movie.
1: Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. He does kind of slither around and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, I just got, there's a Rango joke in there too somewhere. But yeah, I'm there's gonna,
0: something, something, something Rango, yeah. It's way too late for me to make a Rango joke. Anyways, <laughs> uh,
1: But I was also familiar with the book because oh. at some point probably found the book at like a half price books or something like that. Went, oh, hey, I've heard of this and bought it and was a little bit introduced to the start or at least the popularization of gonzo journalism.
0: Gonzo journalism, yeah which
1: i i you know i'm not taught this in
0: school i don't know anything
1: about this so i'm thinking i'm learning something on the side that i just was like this is in the
0: this is in like the, indie comics with an x baby this is like yeah, underground and, stuff i'm not supposed to know
1: underground and and very fringe which is exactly where hunter thompson uh-huh. belongs he wants to stay fringe he wants to stay he wants to stay gonzo he mm. wants to be but but much like the journalism, it's, it's the film has to, I mean, from what I've read from the book, it, it also is very accurate uh-huh. <laughs> to um, at least whatever he's reporting of his personal experiences from the book. So it's that same sarcasm. It's the same exaggeration that they use. But I think what's so cool is a lot of the, Practical and digital effects that are, that are, that are brought in the camera tricks and stuff like that, um, fit right in with the gonzo and, and, um, and yeah, I, it was nice to revisit the film. Mm -hmm. Uh, but that's really my background is just kind of like, is, is, is really just kind of being, wow, drugs are, drugs are quite a trip. And and (laughs) this film is, this film exhausts me at Mm -hmm. two or three in the morning and i'll i'll never ever ever know the first thing about how to do any of this <laughs> or atta- attain any of this
0: right i put uh my first note was this is an imaginative way to make me never use hard drugs right yeah. it's like what the experience was is what i felt like because much in the same way i was a dare kid i watched this in college um when I was inebriated, but it was, uh, it was definitely not mescaline and definitely not stuff like that, that I was on. Right. And so I'm watching this in the early two thousands and I'm like, wow, this, holy shit. Look at this. Look at crazy. Johnny Depp being crazy is in, look at uh you know, look at Benicio del Toro, uh, who I think at that point I'd only noticed Fenster from the usual suspects. I was like, look at him looking completely different and being disgusting and just, These guys are just a wacky couple of guys, right? And so I had a a fairly positive overall memory of this movie. And watching it this time, I fucking hated this movie. Really? I could not stand it. And so I think my main note about the film was, I think that this has tremendous visuals from Gilliam. I think that this is a really impressive feat of filmmaking. But fuck do I hate these characters. And I don't care at all (laughs) about what they're doing. I I was just like, I just could not be bothered. I was like, oh, yay, let's just watch a whole movie of Johnny Depp being an annoying asshole the whole time. Is what I felt like watching the film. Because it's like in in my 2019 eyes and knowing what I now know about Johnny Depp and him being a terrible human being. And watching them treat everyone like absolute trash throughout the film. And then just skating their way by... And it just made – it just like – it was all – I got all these notes like Twitter culture should hate this movie, right? Because it's all about everything is the worst now and way back then everything was fine and everything blah, 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 blah. About how, you know, um, uh, Twitter culture and cynicism is like ruining ruining the world and we didn't – used to be like this and it's all because of social media. Well, and then you watch a film like this from – that's set in the early 70s and you've got characters like – Johnny Depp's character, who has no responsibility whatsoever, he gets away with anything that he wants to do. He's doing all kinds of drugs, and he's, you know, he's he's sexist, and he's just a terrible garbage person. But you're supposed to be like, oh, great, he's fun. Let's follow him for a while.
1: Yeah, and and the thing is, I think I think what they I think the 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 motivation in the book and in the film, it's it's they might as well be the same thing for me. Mm-hmm. That it is supposed to be this like. Uh, Raul Duke and Dr. Gonzo are just Looney Tunes. They're just crazy cartoon characters that get into all these weird adventures and they're doing all these things and, you know, searching for the American dream, trying to do, you know, traveling across America, taking full advantage of every single thing in person that they can
2: mm-hmm. and,
1: and abusing as much of their bodies as possible and ultimately having what to show for it. Mm -hmm. And I mean, other than like some really interesting, you know, uh, uh, takes on, you know, uh, you know, what we consider American dream, but it's like the, he says at one point we're in the middle of the vortex Uh and it's while they're in the carousel bar with the carousel. This is, mm -hmm. this is gorgeous set. Yeah. That was actually
0: really visually interesting. That set.
1: Yeah. It was cool to look at. But he says we're in the vortex, and I don't think he means just just the bar that they're oh, sitting. Oh, sure, in. yeah, He's are in the yeah. vortex of Americana of of the of the fake of the uh uh gonna start off gonna, the American dream being this uh this fantasy of starting from nothing, mm-hmm. starting with a few coins that I could scratch together and and win, 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 win my way to the top and become.
0: Well, right. like rich I think that that's the well, idea, right? But but it's not it's not scratch your way to the top because he's got all the stuff that – he's got all these drugs from this advance that he gets, right? So he's not some put-upon person. He's getting this advance because he's this talented writer and he's being put on this assignment that he's just fucking off and not, not paying – like not having any sort of ownership towards whatsoever. He's like, oh, I got to go see who won the race. And they're like, no, 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 the race is over. You know, and those sorts of things. Like he has, he just shirks all of his responsibility, and it's like they they say American Dream, but I'm like, well, is it American Dream? It just seems like avoidance of responsibility to me. That it doesn't seem like there. I don't ever find a quest in the movie. It just is like a quest for freedom, and 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 that could be a quest on its own, but it's a quest for freedom, i.e., not being responsible for your terrible terrible actions.
1: I do think that. While I am with you on that on that journey, I'm with you there. I'm with you uh-huh. that, that I agree with with everything you're saying. I do think that it is an accurate depiction of Hunter S. Thompson. Oh yeah, I completely visiting, believe visiting, that. This is from McGillivray Mask <laughs> visiting him visiting him at home in his Aspen in Aspen was a trifle nerve wracking at first. Sitting in his canvas chair in the kitchen, Hunter was like a hurricane waiting to just offshore. Luckily, there was no loss of life and limb during my visit. In fact, he was great watching him surrounded by acolytes, waiting for the world to come to him. He always seemed to be to be being filmed for some documentary or other, and you could Mm. see that all this noise, which came from his fearsome reputation, was in fact a rather poignant strategy for distracting himself and everyone else from how long it was since he had actually gotten since he had actually done anything great. And then when he comes to the set later on um, during the Matrix scene, the Matrix flashback. thing um quote i wanted to kill him Hmm. hunter was throwing bread rolls at me so basically everything he could do to draw attention to himself was just trying to make everyone say stop it hunter to prove what a maverick he was then when the time actually did come for hunter to show the for the hunter show to start he refused to sit where we put him because as a journalist i always have to be on the edge of things so when we all were tiptoeing around him trying to get him in position. Uh, his palestinian ex-girlfriend, who was one of the producers of the film, suggested that we pick out the best-looking extra and see her at the table he's meant to be at. Of course, he's over there like a shot. But then, on the first take, when Johnny walks past, he's too busy talking to her to notice him. On the mm-hmm. second take was some small reaction registered, and then by the third, he'd be gone again. At this point, we just rolled our eyes and said, Okay, for fuck's sake, let's just get him out of here. Which is why I never, Which is why I normally work with material by... This is why I never normally work with material by living authors.
2: Man. I
1: think that passage says everything I need to know about Hunter S. Thompson and his work. I mean, I've 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 read some excerpts and, and some chapters from *Fear and Loathing* the book, mm-hmm. but this is this is to me a very accurate depiction. He, you know, Depp would be, you know, coming in late to the shoot because he spent all night talking to Hunter on the phone. They yeah, obviously were really good friends. They were trying to get everything that they could, but I mean, it's also kind of hard in 2019 to watch someone like Johnny Depp.
0: Absolutely, well. absolutely, it
1: is. And I and I think an impression is is can sometimes be really good and very talented and, and quite amazing. But I actually I actually think Benicio del Toro is the one that's the one to watch in this film. I think he is the one that's actually while big is also just throwing his body around. He is. I think he's, it's just so it's, but like, but again, where's that heart? Where's the left? Like there is no, <laughs> there's no coming to Jesus moment or like this moment. And that, and I, I guess that's me wishing for something that yeah, is that never going to happen. Yeah. That,
0: that the intention wasn't there. Right. I was, I put down, Why I was like, isn't it what I want it to be? Exactly. You don't know, That's yeah. I wrote where the fuck is the P O I N T. Where's the point of this movie? Is what I got frustrated with after a while because I was like, okay, I'm following them along. I don't like either one of these guys. When I watch them together, sometimes you get actors that are in what I I crudely refer to as a dick measuring contest to where it's like, well, I can be more crazy than you. Oh, yeah. Well, next take, I'm going to be more crazy than you is what it feels like to me. Like it feels like just improv of who's going to be more crazy on this set. And they just film them both. And you've got Johnny Depp doing all of his little facial tics and his little lizard tongue and all of his little, oop, 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 all of his little sounds that he just constantly does throughout the film.
1: And even though all of that, I'm 100% with you here. Uh-huh. I completely agree. But at the same time, I just found it, maybe because I have some sort of nostalgia connection to it, mm-hmm. just kind of still felt it entertaining. I still had a good time watching it. I just didn't I'm with you where I'm like what are what are we doing here so what is the point I really think that was funny that Nick Nolte not <laughs> Nick Nolte excuse me um <laughs> uh I'm thinking of someone else um the gentleman that's the 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 cop the I'm I'm waiting cop. for you to
0: figure it out It's um, close it's to Nick see. Nolte
1: no, it's Gary Busey. Gary Busey um, I, there knew we that, go. I knew that. I knew that. I knew <laughs> that. Excuse me. Um, Gary Busey. That whole scene is very funny. Uh-huh. The whole scene with Cameron Diaz, very funny. Mm-hmm. You know, all this stuff is the, the even seeing Harry Dean Stanton. In this,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was
1: just. It was a. It was a fun kind of. You know, all, all these different. You've little got a lot side, of little
0: cameos. You've got. Side streets uh, and. You've got Tobey Maguire making a cameo. You've got um, Christina Ricci. Christina Ricci. Yep. Debbie Reynolds' voice. You've got uh, Vern Troyer.
1: That was funny. I really liked the whole Debbie Reynolds thing. Because that, once again, we're taking something that's very establishment, Mm -hmm. very very whatever, you know, and then going in and pretty much ruining it. We could stand in the back, but we couldn't smoke, and then Mm -hmm. we got kicked out because we were being disruptive or stupid or whatever. Uh And having that type of, like, anti- establishment stuff like i'm just honestly watching fear and loathing in 2019 it's like yeah and like i just kind (laughs) of feel like that like even back when this came out the shattering of the american dream was already like in full effect Mm -hmm. we already knew all this back then when this film was coming out Mm -hmm. so it was really just kind of like and the reason why i say that is because and this is just my tie-in to what i know but the films of the 70s you know Oh the, yeah the yeah, innocence yeah. the innocence of of America is gone after Kennedy is assassinated we have all these films like the conversation like all the president's men mm-hmm. like even even something like watchmen being created by dc comics in 1985 and 1986 like what happened you know the comedian the character of the comedian says what sure or night owl says what happened to the american dream the comedian yells back at him you're looking at it it's, it's right here and it's this, it's this horrible like mess of a place. That's exactly, it's like this is ground already tread mm-hmm. several times and, and it, I don't think it really does much other than just like, let's just have some crazy antics and, and, drug fueled while fun and funny. It really doesn't amount to much more than like Jackass mm-hmm. in some ways.
0: It really is. Um, it's just, it's, it's like watching the kid with her, with the favorite toy, just play with the toy is what it what's feels crazy like. Is,
1: what's crazy is we watched this movie in the same room on the same night that we would watch Jackass.
0: Ah.
2: This
1: film would be, would be a burnt DVD sit- sitting right next to Jackass Two, the burnt DVD that we'd stick in the DVD player and watch in the basement. On like a on like a Friday night or Saturday night, as I spent the night at a friend's house. Like that's a, this <laughs> yeah. is a, like this is like let's just watch these crazy guys get away with what is essentially a, a immature like power fantasy, the it ability is. to run this run this uh this convertible uh over a over a parking ramp or whatever a parking mm-hmm. thing and mm-hmm. like not have any and steal this guy's pen and and yes those are very like small things, but the comparison is there are no consequences. Yeah. That's when no it gets to be Looney Tunes when the they're drugs. doing
0: that stuff. Right. When it's yeah. all Looney Tunes stuff.
1: Well, and then, and then ultimately the let's, let's, let's ruin these hotel rooms and leave and go to the next hotel. Ooh, yes. And, and, and ultimately cause all this chaos, which is funny. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that stuff is really crazy and, and very interesting, but the fun part is maybe the, the fun part to me is Is not necessarily like, like not having consequences. It's then I'm, we're just talking in circles now. Where is the point? (laughs) If if you're not, if you're not going to go there, then, then, then I don't know. I don't know how this, I don't know how this story could have gotten any bigger, Mm. you know, because they are sitting there in the cop, in the cop convention, where they're learning about reefer madness and the effects of, of now, see, marijuana. I thought that that, was
0: a, I thought that that was funny because I would yeah. say that, that my boss is definitely a he buys into the reefer madness. You know, when, uh, when, when Biden recently had said that he's, he's not going to legalize yeah. because he's yes. still, there's a debate on both sides, whether it's a, a gateway drug and all this stuff. My, my boss is like, well, you better not legalize it because it is, it is a gateway drug and it is addictive. And I'm like, Oh my God. like, I'm ready for that generation to go (sighs) away. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, To to, go go, away. To to
1: literally go away. And and not that I want your boss to die. Excuse
2: me. I don't mean to to (laughs) get emotional about (laughs) that.
1: But I will say, um, I think that... But that's that's just it, though. Like, yeah, and... Like, we all knew this. We all knew this from years ago. Years before 1998. Or even back when uh, uh, Hunter S. Thompson wrote this stuff. I don't know. I just... While entertaining, while very silly, this because of the non-consequential mm-hmm. thing, it, it really is kind of hard to, to, to see the point in all
0: of it. Well, and, let me put a fine um, point on my, where my struggles were, and then we can wrap up on this one, because I feel like we okay. were pretty much on the same page. I just had a lot bigger of an issue with it, I think. And it was these two points, and one of them is the very obvious point with the way that they talk about Christina Ricci. And they talk about the things that will happen to her and and it's sort of like Johnny Depp's character is kinda of like, Hey, we need to I need to save you and save me and um save us from this circumstance because if we lead her if we let her be in here, she you know, you're gonna sleep with her and she's just a kid and then we're gonna both get in trouble and blah 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 blah. Right. And so he tries to get out of that situation by saying, oh, well, we can get money from different police officers by offering him this and that and the other. And and then they'll do this to her and that to her. And then he's getting them all worked up and that kind of thing. And so he, he gets him worked up enough to where he calls her and basically breaks up with her, this girl that he just met on the plane. And so that I'm like, oh, OK, fine. You know, I didn't uh, I didn't need the uh, statutory rape to be a joke, but I'll just kind of pass it by as a 1998 thing right
1: very hard to play 30 years later yeah yeah, or yeah. 20 20 years later right sorry. and so then oh, the,
0: the part that really got me though was when they are in the diner
1: yes oh my god i was gonna bring this up yeah yes. and All so right, they're, after you
0: they're in the diner and it's a Say what happens well and so he he demands ice and water this uh sort of like curvy we just kind of see her um we don't see her face for a while and and so this kind of curvaceous waitress gets him whatever and then he starts he writes on a napkin something something about anal sex and she's all pissed about it and then benicio del toro pulls out a knife and basically threatens her and then they start talking about how she had been like cut up and they sort of, like, in my perception of it, they sort of played it for laughs that she was so traumatized and they could do whatever they want. And then it was kind of like a silly thing. Then they just kind of left.
1: Well, and then right before they left, what does Hunter do? Or, excuse me, Raul Duke.
0: Uh, You know, remind me, because he was eat. he was so trying he, to eat a steak. And then I forget he
1: was trying to eat. And then, like, they threatens him. And uh-huh. then he says, I'm going to take this pie and i think you just brought something to my mind they never show her face until she's in fear mm-hmm. until she's controlled uh-huh. pretty much yeah which is fucking disgusting yeah and and then when she's standing there and pretty much just taking it just mm-hmm. like crying and staring straight ahead at him um he takes the pie. He almost looks like he's going to hit her with
0: it. Uh huh. Like, oh, yeah, like, because they ask how much it is, and it's not very much. And he's like, he's Well, like how about for the whole pie? It. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and so, like, he, he looks like he's going to, like, slam it into her face. Doesn't. Takes it. Says, I'm going to be out in the car. And then Raul takes his plate and, like, all of his, like, recording equipment, all that with him. And then, like, turns to the door, sees her. She's still just in shock. And she, he makes her a mark narration wise, mm-hmm. but she's still paralyzed with fear and then he like almost like hands back the plate as like a peace offering Uh and then and then leaves and it's like this like ineffective like moment of Oh, well, sorry about your luck. Like, yeah, you got on well, the bad side. women will well, always just
0: get abused and cut up, and that's just kind of how it goes.
1: Yeah, and like,
0: why put a scene like that? Uh, I want That's wanna what ask. really turned me against the movie. Was and that scene? I don't scene.
1: think that that's in the book. I don't think that that's in the actual book. I, I actually think that there's a passage of that.
0: Well, I think there's something that's in there because he he reads the narration during that sequence because they talks about the way that her face is cut. It, they talk about how she's get, basically got like a scar uh, near her mouth and then on her neck or something like that. Is what... just,
1: okay, I have it here in this okay. from Gilliam Gilliam mask. Uh, it says we invented that moment. It wasn't in the book. We were both embedded in the characters at that point. And we felt in the right frame of mind to extemporize.
0: Hmm. See, I think that's in poor taste. I don't think that that's, that's I think looking back at it now, it's even worse, but at the time it's like, God what are you what what are you adding for this scene?
1: So so here we're talking so interesting now that we're getting pretty much like filling our time with like yeah another thing that this movie <laughs> sucked about but what's interesting is uh, what I used to think like time bandits, uh-huh. a time travel movie with heart, where it may not have looked the best. The effects may have been pretty crappy or whatever but man, if I didn't want those little guys and the kid to get to the end and figure things out. Yes, it was a cheap ending by having God come in, but it was funny.
2: Yeah.
1: You're rooting for him him or whatever, you know? And then, and then like to kind of screw up and make the time traveling very confusing in 12 monkeys. Like, I think that's very interesting. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. It's like, it's like, where's the, where's the heart and where's the, where's the soul of the film? Like, where are we, where are we going and what are we doing? It feels this film even more so than 12 monkeys. Feels very bloated with like star power and
2: mm-hmm.
1: and just craziness and, and whatnot. It's still entertaining to look at. Once oh again, yeah, that's there's nothing, that's there's one nothing of the, wrong with the visuals.
0: Yeah, that's why I wanted to kind of sandwich my um, disappointment with the film is that I think it's whether it's the drug sequences or the staging of the trashed uh, hotel rooms or the the actual stages themselves that they're on while they're drinking i think those are incredibly well done and because yeah. i'm like holy shit like this doesn't this isn't it doesn't have the crutch of being in the past and to where you're like oh yeah this is what medieval blah 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 was and you're like yeah great okay like i don't have any frame of reference so sure it did right it's All like right. no this is this is now and it just looks fucking crazy, and there's, uh, you know, there's lizard people, and now there's uh, like some weird kind of blood gum-looking stuff on the ground or whatever it is, and and it's just, uh, you know, just the way that Gilliam sort of shows his skill as a visual filmmaker is really sort of astounding to me. But it's just everything else around the movie. I was like, oh my god, I can't wait for this to be over. <laughs> I think my my actual last note says, "What an absolute miserable time." <laughs> and I,
1: d- I don't remember feeling bad leaving the film, uh-huh. but I just I just remember being like, "Okay, Anne." And now <laughs> that I'm like kind of exploring these moments and really taking a close look at them with you, mm. like I'm honestly kind of disgusted by the film.
0: Well, it's one of those um, where I don't I'm not usually describe like I don't describe myself as being like a sensitive person when it comes to material no. in film. But I just we uh,
1: you and I watch all all this like we watch all <laughs> the most depraved crap and all that. like it's totally fine. But I
0: was just really sort of off put by. It. <laughs> I just was really and maybe I, I it was one see- of those where you're in a certain mood and this kind of really sort of pushes you. Uh, to and another thing, you know, the movie does that.
1: All of this could have been, all of this could have been totally fine, had the characters gotten even just a little bit of like. Like, uh, like uh, consequence. yeah some sort of comeuppance, or some sort of even if it was played for laughs and played for jokes, I still feel like like this this would have been probably it probably would I would feel a little bit more comfortable laughing at, at a lot of this. Yeah, stuff.
0: I could have gone for that yeah. or some sort of sense of them knowing what they were doing was bullshit because there's there's never like a you know because I think about sometimes when I think of excess movies, I think of like this and i think of uh in the alcohol realm i think of leaving las vegas with uh nicholas cage drinking himself to death yeah right and obviously way different tones but i think about that and it also that movie would make me not want to drink right and this movie makes me not want to do drugs but they come they go about it in such different ways to where i could have gone for just a glimmer just like one little moment of either one of these characters being like, man, this fucking sucks. What are we, what are we doing this for? But there's never, they're, like, right. they're never lucid at all. in the That's movie. just not Hunter S. Thompson. No. That's
1: not the rock star.
0: Oh, oh man. No. Talk about a dude. Style. I'm glad I would never meet. Yeah. <laughs> is not I mean, my sort yeah. of guy. <laughs> he, yeah. Well, and I mean, I, I don't, I mean, I've read a little bit of his, uh, his, of like his sports journalism. Like things like what he was sent out to oh, write. Oh right, uh, there's that
1: famous uh, Kentucky Derby.
0: Yeah, the Kentucky decadence, Derby one, sure. Yeah.
1: Decadence and something. And
0: Kentucky then, Derby uh, is a decadent and depraved.
1: Yeah, is it decadent and depraved?
0: And yeah, but have you ever um, read uh, like Transmetropolitan or anything like that? I've started that, but that I know exactly what you're
1: talking about, though that that spider yeah spider uh, Jerusalem yeah. To where that makes me be... that
0: makes me very very cautious now of picking those up Oh, to it, revisit well oh. because i i haven't read them but i have the i have the first like three or four trades oh interesting and it was one of those where well, i sold kind of in the stuff of, you know? of
1: being able to not create something i do kind of wish they they would have not this is the probably the one time in history someone would say i wish they wouldn't have stuck to the book mm. uh where I kind of wish they would have done a little bit more character, which is weird because he is such a slippery, slimy, weird character in this film, along with Dr. Gonzo. They were both entertaining to watch and look at. Like they were at least interesting, but man, does it, does it make you feel, it's almost like I haven't seen the Joker uh, or just Joker, I guess from this year, but Mm -hmm. I'm assuming that it's some sort of like power fantasy of, of being able to just create chaos and do what you want and get away with it. Uh-huh. And people and there's the, there's some really bad white men out there who consider that uh their their idol. Yeah like they're A-
0: calling car or like their uh their North Star or whatever.
1: Yeah, or something like that. And it's it's that's first of all disturbing, but also like there's just this weird immaturity to that. Yeah. That is just, you know that it just doesn't seem like like uh and and of course, this is of course perfect for someone like a teenage boy like myself oh, be introduced to this thing to to actually sit down and watch this and think that this is funny mm-hmm. because there's no consequence i don't i that's the last thing I want as a teenage boy uh is is responsibility <laughs> <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> of, of of anything so
0: exactly,
1: so yeah, I mean that this this now lucidly as we as we you know finish up talks late at night about this film i'm now kind of seeing it clearly as like this thing of like ooh, you know gillian what what did what happened
0: like yeah what do you what what's going on right now
1: i'm interested this is very interesting i like seeing this turn i i kind of I, this is actually this journey this quest of watching all these films and seeing this turn is very interesting mm-hmm. because it's almost like the moment he tiptoes into hollywood and, and it almost doesn't feel like himself anymore. Well, yeah, because you're like, kind of
0: like, wait, what, why? No. Don't, how is don't do corrupt- this.
1: <laughs> yeah, how is he corrupted by the system? By, by pretty much, by, by going into pretty much the Las Vegas of the, of the film world.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: How did he manage to do this, but also get by with probably making a
0: lot more money? Oh, sure. From, I'm from sure. Yeah. We're... It's like, I, I, you know, I think that I'm not alone by saying just stay in your, uh, the Fisher King mode forever. It's, it's you like...
1: know what though? I, I, I'm willing to bet. I mean, I, maybe they cover it in Gillian Mask. I'm I'm just kind of slowly meandering through the book and I, I just kind of open it up to the parts where I know there are going to be passages relevant to the films we're watching, mm-hmm. but I'm willing to bet that he, by the time he got to, Fear and loathing, and it was making that film. It was so fun to a do tons of drugs. Probably, I'm, I'm guessing mm-hmm. there might have been some sort of some sort of substance on.
0: Oh, I'm sure the set. it's well. Hunter did it, so had to right. Johnny, you got to get into Hunter's mind frame. I mean,
1: exactly. So I, I'm I'm sitting there thinking, like, let's go hog wild on this crazy story. You know, screw Hunter. He's he's going to be difficult, but we're going to just do the story. We're going to do it right. We're going to do the book on screen, mm-hmm. and we're going to make a ton of money on it because audiences, specifically the audiences, the demographics that go to movies, uh, the most people, most demographic that goes to movies, will pay to see this. Craziness. Yeah, this
0: is right in their and wheelhouse.
1: It's right in their wheelhouse, and the studios will love it and be happy with me finally for once mm-hmm. because – uh, if 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 Twelve Monkeys is any indication, he was done. He was tired of fighting. Uh-huh. He was just like I'm. I don't ever want to make a crazy.
2: Well,
0: he's got a lot of like, fighting in.
1: <laughs> he's got a oh lot of fighting gosh. in his future. <laughs> and knowing and knowing what's ahead too is so fascinating
0: because,
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: man, crazy. Man,
1: this this is a this is this is quite a turn. It's it it a, really is an, yeah. an amazing quest. So
0: it really it really again, is. Thank you, Terry Gilliam. Yeah. <laughs> Got a lot of, uh, this is one of those where I was sort of slow to warm up. And then last episode, I was really, really happy with the Fisher King. And then I, I think 12 monkeys is messy, but I think that there's things in it that are good. And then I was, I was really startled by how much I did not care for this one. And, uh, yeah, so, it'll so it'll be interesting because, uh, there's not a ton of great things that are said about our last film or last five films. So it'll be oh, interesting man. to see how they go. Okay. <laughs> and I haven't seen any Eesh. of them, and you haven't seen I them either, I right? I haven't seen.
1: It. So we got. So let's go over them real quick. Yeah, Sorry. the next Brothers five, Graham. the
0: last five. We have the Brothers Grimm and Tideland. Okay. And the episode after that, we have the Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus, and the movie that I don't have with uh, Christoph Waltz, Zero Theorem.
1: Oh, Zero Theorem. Yep.
0: And then our last recording will just be one movie, and that is the Man Who Killed Don Quixote.
1: So I think I have seen uh, Parnassus. Okay. I believe I saw that in theaters. I don't think I knew exactly what I was watching.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it'll be one of those where once you watch it again, you're like, oh, yeah, I did see this. Or I don't know. Did I? I don't know what this is. <laughs> so it'll be interesting. That's our second of the two uh, Heath Ledger and Terry Gilliam uh, mashups. Interesting that uh, Johnny Depp didn't work with him again.
1: Grant Burge. The first letterboxed review for Parnassus. Mm -hmm. One star. Mm -hmm. And he says, (laughs) Terry Gilliam always makes shit movies. (laughs) He made made this movie.
0: It's shit. (laughs) Well, I can't say that I will be able to beat that from IMDb. (laughs) Thank you, Grant. Thank you. Thank you for that. I love it. I'm sure he's an avid listener. Might I suggest
1: Brazil or the Fisher King or... Heck, even Jabberwocky. Yeah, I would recommend that. I mean, well, yeah. I
0: think uh, Baron von Munchausen is much better than. Oh a my lot gosh! Of these
1: See things. that one had heart though. Yeah. That one had that one had Munchausen flying across the battlefield, holding <laughs> on to a a, 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 a what is it, a cannonball? Yeah, a cannonball then, with
0: with the handles.
1: And and and, and avoiding Death's scythe, mm-hmm. taking his soul. Mm-hmm. And, and him going, ha, ha 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 and flying away in
0: the night. <laughs> yep. A lot of silliness. It, a, it had like a nice it a little, wonderful. it had a nice little dash of Monty Python in there. Ugh. A lot of fun. Where'd you go? Where'd lot you lot of, go, of Terry fun. Gilliam? I know. Poor. Well, I don't know. Maybe I'll love these yeah. next two and we'll fight. Uh, uh, we'll see. Yeah.
1: We'll I fight. hope so. I, I'm, you know, I'm going to go in with an open mind right. I don't know what to expect. I really I have, don't. I don't
0: know. I, have, I, don't. I, don't, I don't, I just know that, uh, you know, we're in for Matt Damon and, and, uh, Heath Ledger next time, and then I know absolutely zero about Tideland.
2: Yeah. All right.
0: So I don't even know what to expect for that one. So, wrapping us up, if you have any comments, suggestions, or movies that you'd like to hear us talk about, you can email us at plainlabelpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow the show over at Twitter. Our handle is uh, at plainlabelpod. You could follow me over there. I'm at williams 79 We also have an Instagram account. Just search for Podcast, and you'll find us over there. Say that you wanted to help us out a little bit, you could check out our show notes, and there you're gonna find a link to our Amazon wish list. And especially with it being, uh, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas time when we're recording these, I always have a whole bunch of shit up there that I don't really need. But you know, I just finished my, my library room in my basement. I need some more books. I need some more stuff to put in there. So you know, buy me some stuff. I'm not gonna turn it away. I get it on there for a reason. I'm also poor, so I'm not gonna buy anything. So there you that's go. That's right. Yeah. So I do want to thank Ben for coming <laughs> on once again. If people wanted to hear more from you or get in touch with you, where could they do that? At Ben Teed on
1: Twitter and at Ben Teed on Letterbox. Honestly, of all the social medias, that's what I'm doing. I'm really on Letterbox. <laughs> all, I mean, that's all I'm doing anymore. Right.
0: Watching movies and posting them.
1: I, who needs to Who needs to do social media anymore? Yeah. No one
0: likes the people that runs them. It's just a. Uh, it's all disgusting
1: burn it all to the ground,
0: just be on That's right. That is (laughs) right. What a recommendation. (laughs) What a recommendation. All right. Well, thank you for listening and join us again next week when Mr. Teed and I continue our look at writer-director Terry Gilliam with the Brothers Grimm and Tideland.
2: We had two bags of grass, 75 pellets of mescaline, five sheets of high-powered blotter acid, a salt shaker half full of cocaine, a whole galaxy of multicolored uppers, downers, screamers, laughers. Also a quarter tequila, quarter rum, case of beer, pint of raw ether, and two dozen amils. Not that we needed all that for the trip, but once you get locked into a serious drug collection, the tendency is to push it as far as you can.